following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Well, this morning we have something special for you. We have Jess. Let's let's read right here. <laughs> um, you thought my last name was difficult to pronounce on the first try. I think we're, we're the same in that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Alan Nightway. Ellen Nightway. Is that right? You got it? All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm familiar with difficult last names. Yes. Um, Jess is, works with the Ugandan Water Project as community development, community partnerships, um, and worked in Uganda with the Ugandan Water Project for seven years. So she's very familiar with our work, especially in Uganda. And um, we are really lucky to have her here with us. And as you might have seen on the way in, we have some special stuff um, going on after service. So stick around. Talk to Jess and check that out. Thank you so much. I am really excited to be here. I have heard about Artisan Church for probably 14 or 15 years now, and I'm finally here. And this church is weighing a little more heavily on this side, so I am going to stick my jerry can right here. Because this jerry can is only partially filled with water. Um, I got muscles, so it's not bothering me. But I want that just to be a bit of a symbol and uh, a bit of an eyesore for you right now, because later on after the service, I've got more jerry cans out there, and I would love for every single person here to pick one of those up. Um, actually, try all three, because I have the lightest one right here, and there is varying degrees of water in um, the jerry cans out there. I would really like you to get a feel of the physical weight of what I'm talking about today. Um, just really quickly, I want to make sure that for you kids, especially that you have an idea of what I'm talking about. So kids, I'm excited that you are here today because there was a time that I was just like you sitting in church with my uh, family and in a church in New York and, um, everything that I'm going to share about today, I have been connected to personally. Like Jess said, I lived in Uganda for seven years as the country director for the Ugandan Water Project. I currently live in Lima, New York, so about 25 minutes from here. Um, but this became very much a part of my life. So it's not just a story I'm telling you, it's something I've experienced. And there is something that God has that is just for you. And if you're sitting here today, there's something God has just for you. And I just want you, especially you kids, to know that whatever that thing is that's stirring in you that just seems so unique and so special, that's God stirring that in you. So very quickly, um, we're going to just see where in the world we're talking about. Um, so Africa, we've almost all seen the continent of Africa before. It is not one country. It is a continent with many countries in it. And... I should have brought my little clicker up here. Um, there's a big lake, and right at that lake, now we're going to zoom in a little bit, is Uganda. And so Lake Victoria, second largest freshwater lake in the world, only surpassed by Lake Superior. Um, biggest dot is Kampala, the capital of the country, and that is where uh, my family used to live, and that's where the Ugandan Water Project was based. And I know many of you know James Harrington our founder and CEO, and he is flying back from there as we speak, I think. Um, the equator runs right through the middle of Uganda as well. I'm pretty sure Mel's stood on the equator before, right? Yes. Um, so that is where in the world we are talking about. And I am just would like to take you on a little quick trip so that you can get some of the 
sights and the sounds. You don't get the smells, but we're bringing you as close to Uganda as possible with this video. His name is Peter Changulo. He still rubs his shoulder when he talks about carrying the heavy clay pot 15 miles to the river as a boy. Now, he watches his granddaughter fetch water each day, and he is haunted by two questions. Will this be the last generation of children walking for water? And who will help to make it so? with the Ugandan Water Project can ensure that this is the last generation of children that walk for water. Our water solutions are effective, efficient, and sustainable. The need is real. We are ready. All we need is you. interacted with Ugandan Water Project before, just so I've got an idea of who is new to this and who isn't. Okay. Um, <clears throat> there's a passage in Isaiah 42 that I want to read that as I was driving here today, um, I just felt like this was, this just resonates for what I know of this church. So while I know this church uh, feels very strongly about um, doing justice and loving mercy. And in Isaiah 42, the prophet is speaking of the servant of the Lord who's to come, Jesus himself. And he says, um, 
I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not stuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged. Till he establishes justice on earth, in his teaching the islands will put their hope. This is what the Lord, the God, the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all the springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open the blinds that are eyes that are blind to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. And then later on in Scripture, in Luke chapter 4, we read where Jesus is in the, in the temple, in the synagogue, and he's asked to read Scripture, and he reads that. That is the Scripture reading for the day in that synagogue, and Jesus reads it, and he ends, and he says, today that Scripture is fulfilled. And then later on in Luke 17... The Pharisees are challenging Jesus, and they say, like, how in the world are we going to know when the kingdom of God comes? And he says, it's not something that you look for or that, like, suddenly you'll be like, oh, it's here. The kingdom of God is within you. And when we take all those verses together and we look back at what is that kingdom of God that Jesus brought, that Jesus is the fulfillment of, where he fulfills all the law and the prophets, it's that loving mercy and that doing justice and that bringing freedom to the captive and opening the eyes of the blind and the way that God redeems all things back. And isn't it a joy and an honor to be part of that greater body of Christ that gets to actually live that out every day? That's what we get to do as sons and daughters of Christ. And one of the things that I love about what we do at the Ugandan Water Project that you just saw in that video was that there there used to be millions of people in the world who were in bondage to poverty, the captivity of poverty. They can't live everything that they were created to become, the lives that they were created to live, because of the bondage of poverty that all stems from the bondage of not having water. When you think about the way that water intersects with every single part of your lives today, the amount of water that got used in the kitchen today, just getting ready for the ice cream social after church today is a remarkable amount. That doesn't mean that we don't use that water to get ready for the ice cream social. That's a fantastic use of water. But just to point out, that's a very unnecessary item in our daily life lives today. And yet we have the freedom to use that and because we're not caught in this bondage of how to do it. Uh, somebody in here helped me fill up these jerry cans. And that took time away from talking to people this morning and even getting your family into the seats today. It takes a significant amount of water to have to, or time to have to access water. And so part of what we do at the Ugandan Water Project is that we are just 100% dedicated and focused on eliminating the bondage of waterborne disease and illness in the country of Uganda. Uganda is where God, what God has put on our hearts, and so that's where we stay. <laughs> um, there's lots of problems around the world, but this is the problem that we are choosing to work on. And there's two parts to this problem. Um, there is the pro- problem of access to water, which is, it is not in the tap in the sink. It is far away, and you have to carry it 
and you have to bring it back with one of these jerry cans. And so this is why I brought jerry cans today, and this is why I'm challenging you all. Carry one of those jerry cans and see how it feels. Because even when this young man goes to walk to carry this water, he still has to do the action of pumping the water. So it's not just, it, it's really not just walking down the driveway. On average, it's more than a mile that people have to walk around the world. People who don't have access to safe water have to walk about a mile. And then when they get there, next slide, it's often not very nice. Now, sometimes this picture is super clear. It's not quite as bright today. Um, but we can see he is standing in the water that he's going to fill this jug up. This is a young guy. He's got a school uniform on. He's going to carry this back to his school. He's actually got two of the jerry cans there, so he's filling up two jerry cans that he's going to carry back. There are cows on the other side that are coming down to get water. And what's a little bit hard to see is some green stuff that's in the water that is a mix of algae and tadpoles. Were you at this picture by any chance? This does okay. This was taken by team members about the time that you went. So for a moment there, I was like, it's very possible Mel actually stood at the side of this. Um, in the background, you'll also see um, the cows that are coming down, the shepherds. One of them has a jerry can in the background, too. So he's going to be collecting some water as well. Those cows are going to walk right down into that water to drink it. So that makes me uncomfortable. That should make every single one of you uncomfortable. <laughs> That's the reality. And um, what I'm really thankful for is that that has made enough people in this church uncomfortable that you guys have been partners of our organization for almost 14 years now. It's well over a decade. We started looking at some records this past spring, and we were like, oh, 10 years Oh, no, this goes back even further. And so from the Ugandan Water Project and from the communities in Uganda where you have had an impact, thank you for believing in the mission and the calling that we've had as an organization to just stand by us. Um, and part of what that means is that you guys have helped us to bring some solutions to Uganda. So we bring some really basic solutions. Um, there's three main things that we do. The first one is water filtration systems. So we want to deal with that problem of quality of water. After people have accessed it, is it still quality drinking water? And lots of times it's not. So we have these Sawyer filters that we distribute um, to every facility that we work at and occasionally at household levels too. And I have one out in the back as a demonstration today. So during the ice cream social, we are going to have some muddy water back there, but you don't have to drink the muddy water. Isn't that the beauty of science and technology? You don't have to drink the muddy water. Um, I'm going to make it clean for you. I'm going to show you the magic of science that can make dirty things clean, the power of one small action to change everything, and uh, there should be plenty of water out there for anybody who would like some to drink today. Our second solution are our um, borehole rehabilitations. And what's really amazing <laughs> about these things, this, is, this feels like a static photo to me because when I look at these, what we do is we go into communities that already have a borehole well. So a borehole well is a 
deep drilled well that goes down and accesses water down in like the bedrock in the aquifer. It is not a shallow well because shallow wells, hand dug shallow wells can easily be contaminated. Around here, there are still some places where you can drive along and you can see an old hand pump in the yard, right? That's probably a shallow well that would not be safe to drink. But in Uganda, they drill these deep wells and then we put an India Mark II pump on top of them and that's a hand pump. People carry their jerry cans to that pump and I think you have to pump it 47 times to fill your jerry can. That's how much volume of water can come up from like 90 or 100 feet down in the ground. You pull it up and it goes into your jerry can. So try pumping 47 times and there's the weight of the water that you're pulling and then you have to carry it back home. But what happens is it was a pretty sexy thing to drill wells in the 90s in particular. Let's drill a well in Africa. Um, but we forgot to train. We forgot to do due diligence to our work. Communities didn't get trained. Everybody tried to do it really cheaply. Poor quality materials were put into these wells and many of them have been broken. Um, so there was a point in time where I think 40% of the wells in Uganda at any given time were broken. That's horrible. That's almost half of the water supply was inaccessible. So what we've been able to do is we went through the training, we learned, we have learned how to fix these wells. And what is fantastic is the moment that a well that has been dead comes back to life. So we take a compressor and we, we take all the parts out. It's like pulling all the nasty guts out of this well and then we blast air in to clean it out and to purify, um, not purify it, but to clean it out and get all the garbage out. And what's amazing is the water usually comes out brown and rust colored. And then sometimes it can take up to three hours to fully redevelop the well. But eventually that water is coming out clear. And it is an incredible thing to see something that was dead come back to life in that way. Um, our third solution is our rainwater collection systems. And this is one of our most prolific solutions. This was our original solution. This was the impetus for our entire organization where a pastor said, the pastors that I work with in Uganda need a practical way to reach their communities and show them love. We need to collect this free water that's falling from the sky. We live in a tropical area. We need to collect this free water and make it accessible to people for free. And when they come to access the water that they need for every day, we get to tell them about the living water of Jesus. And that spurred on um, what we do today. And so in this picture, you can see there's the big rainwater tank. It's got a cement wall around it to protect it, but the tank itself is just over eight feet tall and eight feet in diameter, so it holds 3,500 gallons of water. Um, we have um, gutters and PVC downspouts and everything, and there's like little tiny tweaks that we've put in the system over the past 15 years to have taken it from a pretty rudimentary um, solution to having all these little tweaks in it that just make it that much better. Um, so originally we just put a tank on a foundation, and we found out people will attack that. People are sometimes jealous and don't like that your community has been blessed and theirs hasn't. So putting the cement wall around it protects it. We work at a lot of schools. Um, kids like to poke and prod at absolutely everything. We used to put the tap right on the tank and then kids, or 
I mean, come on, I'm sure men do this too. Um, you know, lean on the tap and so it gets all wiggly and breaks off. So we decided to put these tap stands down here. Um, so we pull the activity away from the tank itself. Um, and then there's a drain in that so that there isn't standing water for mosquitoes to breed in because malaria is an issue in that area. Um, and then we've got something called the first flush, which is the first flush of rain that comes after a dry season, washes all the dust and everything off the roofs. If that gets in the water, it ends up creating just contamination. So the first flush is a couple of pipes running down here that can be emptied out after every rainstorm. Um, and that's where the heavy stuff falls first, the sediments fall first. And then, in general, it keeps the water going into the tank itself a little bit cleaner. Um, so, we have been providing these solutions for like 15 years. But over time, we had to ask, ask ourselves, are we actually doing the right thing? So we started fixing those borehole wells, like I mentioned. But then we had to say, but what's, why are they all broken? And are we putting the same Band-Aid on that other people put on? And we had to go back and say, we're just doing a Band-Aid. The actual brokenness is the relationship in the communities. We have to go back and build trust in the communities. We have to go back and train the communities. Um, it's like the, these rainwater systems. At first, we were, just, we were putting a tank there, and yes, it caught the water, but was it actually safe to drink? It wasn't safe to drink, and that's where we started implementing the filters. We've had to go through a process of saying, are we really doing what we think we're doing? And sometimes it's really hard to say, nope, we're not. We've got to go back to the drawing board and make some changes. Um, just a couple of years ago, as we were doing these... Well, it wasn't a couple of years ago. It's been dreams and visions of many years, but actually walking it out is a different <laughs> different timeline. Um, but we had this dream for a maintenance, operations and maintenance program on the borehole wells so that they wouldn't break down anymore. And we discovered, we did a ton of research, ton of asking questions, and we discovered that for about a dollar per family um, per month, those wells would not have to break down. But we're operating in a culture where most people don't have access to services where they actually have to pay a bill. So most of us here have to pay a water bill, an electricity bill, a phone bill. We've been doing that our whole lives. Many people in Uganda have not had those sorts of services, so that idea of a payment is a brand new concept. And so we had to, to like take steps back and back and back. Where is it? Like, where is the point at which we have to stop just doing solutions for today and figure out how to make these solutions actually continue and be sustainable tomorrow so that people have access to water for forever? And so we still implement our solutions that are bringing water today. We've been working on this operations and maintenance program, and if you are somebody who receives our, our prayer update, Pray for our program, or well, you've heard it then, but if you don't get that update, pray for our program called AquaTrust because it is a linchpin in breaking those cycles of poverty that have people in bondage um, because it is an operations and maintenance program that will keep that water running tomorrow and forever. And the forever part is so important for our organization because we don't want to be a group who just bring that Band-Aid in and that quick fix. 
but that we, we want to empower people and we want the nation of Uganda to actually be free from this bondage. And that has to be a national thing. So over the last few years, we have been working with members of government, which sometimes when you are a nonprofit organization, um, people don't like to have you interact with government. And for a lot of years, we tried to just keep our heads down, not like not draw too much attention. But we started realizing if we're actually going to see major change in the way that people are able to access water, it actually has to be in partnership with the government. And so we've been able to engage with the government in incredible ways in Uganda. It's been an amazing journey, sometimes very challenging, and yet incredibly rewarding. And we're very excited uh, for some of the next steps that are coming, um, which I can't get into all of those right now because time is a limitation. But I would love to have you ask questions about it and um Keep in, like, keep in contact with us so that you know when we've got, um, opportunities, engagements, and things coming up so that you can hear about some of the progress that we're making in that regard. Um, because it's a pretty amazing thing to go from kind of little no-name people to actually having government officials say, hey, could you help us out? Could you advise us on this? And we've been starting to be tapped for advisory roles and things and to be leading the leading organization in rolling out maintenance and operations programs across Uganda, which sometimes those words come out of my mouth and I'm like, wow, I've turned into a bit of a nerd about water issues. But it's so exciting to see how God has led us on this journey. Um, and part of this journey, all of this journey, to be honest, is part of what your church is involved in, too. Um, oh, can you switch to the next slide real quick? Um, this is a picture of one of the boreholes, and there's a little silver like hexagon connected to it. This is also an amazing part of what we're, what we're up to these days in Uganda. That's a sensor. It's being piloted um, by a really large organization, and we get to be part of the pilot program. And it's actually a sensor where we're trying to move from people trying to understand, trying to figure out what the right amount of payment is for the water for that that size jerry can um, versus like paying for what you actually use. And so these sensors are hopefully designing a program where people could pay for the exact amount of water they use, because don't you like to pay for the exact amount of water you use, as opposed to a faulty guess as to how much water you actually use. Um, and that's part of our forever program, too, is to be able to have an idea and a sensor that would be able to be used throughout the country that would provide people with exact measurements so that they're using their resources where they're supposed to be using them. Um, but part of Artisan's relationship with the Ugandan Water Project is something that I got to sit down and talk with Scott about the other day, well, a couple weeks ago now. Um, and he mentioned it to Jesse, and Jesse was like, what was that all about? <laughs> and I said, well, how about I tell everybody? So... We looked at the map of Uganda a little while ago, and I've got another zoomed-in map here. So there's Kampala, and the equator actually runs right about where the bottom of that screen is. I didn't do that intentionally at all. Um, but the, the two red dots are rainwater collection systems, 
and the one blue dot is a borehole rehabilitation. And those specific projects were funded by this church. Um, so, next picture. So this one, project number 47. Today we are up to project 1,168. So Artisan was there with us way back in the beginning. Project 47 was on Chisoba Peffa Church. Um, that one's out towards Jinja a little bit. Um, this is one of our older systems, so you can see it looks a lot different from that other picture that I showed you. It does have the first flush on it, but it's got the tap right on the tank and everything. So this is one of our old ugly babies. <laughs> that we like to look back and say, oh, wow, look how far we've come. <laughs> Next one. This one, Project 103, so you guys kept, kept with us with our solutions and things. Um, Harvest Christian Center. I think one of the things that really surprised Scott was when I was looking up the information on this particular site, as I was looking on the map, I love to pull up the GPS point on a satellite map and be like, how close is it to water? How close is it to Lake Victoria? How close is it to a swamp? And in my mind, because I lived in Uganda for so long, part of my thought process is, I wonder how many kids we were able to keep, well, people, keep away from the swamps, because in Uganda we have crocodiles and hippos, which do prey on people when they go down to fetch water from a natural resource. So this one, I was like, hmm, I wonder how far they are to like a swamp or something where people used to fetch from. And as I looked, I was like, oh, there's all these cultivated fields. And something just didn't match up in my mind. So I started exploring, and I realized this church, or this rainwater system, is on a church that is, and there's a school near it, um, in the middle of the sugarcane plantations, which are beautiful to drive through. But suddenly, I realized... This specific tank has one of our most incredible stories out of all of our communities uh, that we've ever worked with in, with UWP. This place, they ha you have to take um, a leaving exam to leave elementary school and go into high school, and then another exam to leave high school and to qualify for university. Kids in this community had not been qualifying for high school, so almost everybody was staying at an elementary school education. And this, when we provided this rainwater system, the kids no longer had to go all the way downhill, basically down a mountain, to get water, and they were able to spend more time in the classroom. And this community saw incredible changes in their rates of education. And for, like, the first time in ages, they were able to pass kids from primary school into secondary school, from elementary school into, in, into high school. And when you think about what that means for that community to finally move forward with education. Whew, that one, that story always just kills me. So I was kind of excited when um, I came across that picture. And then most recently, you guys funded one of our boreholes, Chiwenda Nazalisi borehole. Um, and this one was one of our original Aquatrust boreholes because it's painted red. Um, we had a lot of confusion. We wanted to have everything painted red and then that turned out to be have government implications with the government that were crazy. Um, but I loved all these pictures. I couldn't choose one, so I decided to show you all of them. That's project 529. My husband got to be the foreman on that project. Um, so that's three water solutions, right, from Artisan Church. Um, can we go on to the next slide? 
This, though, is a map of all of UWP's completed projects. We're pretty proud of our data system. Like to show it off whenever we can. Can you do the next one? But it barely shows anything. And even this, I zoomed in a little bit so you could see there's just layers and layers of data points there, of little dots. And I can't even show you, like, I can't even show you exactly what that is except to say that it's 1,168 projects and counting. 1,168 communities and counting that we've been able to impact directly through access to clean water. It's almost 400,000 people that we've been able to work with and impact with clean water. That's really exciting. When, if you know James Harrington, and if you re knew him back when he started and how excited he was to fund one rainwater system, you should see the joy that comes over him every time another system, like it doesn't get old. Because if you think back to that picture where the kid was standing in the water, that still happens. It still happens. It blows my mind. It still happens after all the work we've been doing. That's why we want the forever piece of our organization to really come to life. Because we want to stop seeing kids standing in that swamp getting water. And we want them to be one of these points that has access. Um, but here's the thing that's really important for all of you here to know. Those data points up there, if you can go to the two slides, um, those are your fingerprints. So your church is a partner with Ugandan Water Project. That means every month your accountant finance person sends a check over to our office and, you know, it's, you guys have given us freedom to use those finances the way that we need to. So sometimes, um, sometimes those finances go into these water solutions, but what's super important is that this church understands the mission of what we do, and you've stood behind us so that we can impact all 1,168. Those are your fingerprints. You've had a little bit of impact in all those places. So I showed you your three solutions, but reality is your church partnering with us has done this. And if that were a window and those were somebody's fingerprints, we would know that they've been really busy. There's been a lot of activity. And so thank you so much for standing with us in impacting that many lives. Um, we're not done though. <laughs> we are not done. We hope that we will work ourselves out of our job. That is actually what our goal is. And we are just going to continue working to not have to provide our solutions any longer. We hope that in our, our lifetime that we will see the struggle for water in Uganda be done. That kids won't, that I won't have to come here and show you a jerry can and ask you to pick it up because it will no longer be part of the equation. That's what our dream is. And I want to thank you and encourage you to keep standing with us. Your church is committed to continuing to stand with us. So when you as a participant come and you tithe or give your money, a portion of that goes to your missions budget and part of that missions budget comes to our organization. Um, I would love to challenge you to a couple of things though. So one, maybe you want to consider as a church or as an individual, as a family, maybe a business owner, 
to funding another one of those water project solutions this year. Because as much as we want to move towards a whole system change, there are still kids, there are still communities who need that solution, who need to not have to walk to water today. Um, if you are an individual or a family sitting here and this really resonates with you, I would love to encourage you to join us as a monthly partner. Um, I've left cards on your chairs. Take them with you. Put them up on your fridge. Think about it. Consider it. Pray about it. Um, ask questions and have people, when they come and see that on your fridge, have other people ask questions about it too. And then, and get in touch with us. Our <laughs> contact information is there. Um, we also have a summer matching challenge happening right now. We have a member of parliament in Uganda who wants to partner with us. And he has, um, he's a former child soldier during the, from the Joseph Coney days, who's now a member of parliament, a beautiful story of restoration. And he has asked us to work in his area. It's very drought heavy. And so we will be fixing borehole wells there, rehabilitating 45 of them. And so we have a leading, uh, a leading match for $45,000, and our goal this summer is to raise the other 45000 so that 45 communities will have access to, wa to water again. They've got the well. They just need access to it again. They it needs to be fixed. Um, so I wouldn't, and there's, um, we have a website for that, ugandanwaterproject.com slash summer2022. Um, so if you'd like to be part of that, I would love for you to. And then lastly, and now I don't know the date for this, August 9th, I believe, we have an event that you are all invited to. Um, we have like a meet and greet at Ravenwood Golf Course in Victor. And from 5 to 7 p.m. on August 9th. Look at that. I was right. Tuesday, August 9th. We would love to see you there. So... Many of my coworkers and I will be there. Um, former team members of Ugandan Water Project, friends of board members will be there. And we would love to have you come and just be able to interact and talk about what we do and ask questions. Um, I will also be out here after the service. Come get your clean water. <laughs> um, I've got different resources and things if you'd like them. And there is no question that shouldn't be asked. So please come and talk with me, ask questions. Um, I'm really happy to be here today. Thank you. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.